Welcome to the sermon podcast for Pleasant Hill Baptist Church in Central South Carolina. We thank you for taking the time to listen to this message from the Word of God, and we pray that God will both bless you and speak to you as you listen and apply His Word to your life. There's a weight that must be lifted. There's a trophy to be won. Turned to Ruth chapter 3. Open your Word of God to Ruth chapter 3. I'm going to read the whole chapter. But tonight we're going to focus on just the first five verses. But I'm going to give you the whole context of the chapter as in our study in Ruth that we've been going over the last several Wednesday nights, we have uh, seen three major themes. So this is the third major theme. We saw the first major theme in chapter one, and that was key or things to avoid when faced with trouble. And then last week we were looking at Uh, keys to inviting God to work through you the last few weeks in chapter 2. And now in chapter 3, we're going to be studying how to develop a deeper relationship as we look at Ruth developing a deeper relationship with Boaz. So I'm going to read the whole uh, chapter of chapter 3, but we're going to focus on just verse 1 through 5, and then we'll come back with a part 2 next week and see how far that we get. And so if you would, open your word of God again to Ruth chapter 3, and let's begin in verse 1. Then Naomi, her mother-in-law, said unto her, being Ruth, My daughter, shall I not seek rest for thee, that it may be well with thee? And now is not Boaz of our kindred, with whose maidens thou wast? Behold, he winnoweth barley tonight on the threshing floor. Wash thyself, therefore, and anoint thee, and put thy raiment upon thee, and get thee down to the floor, but make not thyself known unto the man, until he shall have done eating and drinking. And that shall be when he lieth down, that thou shalt mark the place where he shall lie, and then shalt thou go in, and uncover his feet, and lay thee down, and he will tell thee what thou shalt do. And he said unto her, and she said unto her, All that thou sayest unto me I will do. And she went down unto the floor and did according to all that her mother-in-law bade her. And when Boaz had eaten and drunk and his heart was merry, he went to lie down at the end of the heap of corn. And she came softly and uncovered his feet and laid her down. And it came to pass at midnight the man was afraid, or he was startled, and turned himself, and behold, a woman lay at his feet. And he said, Who art thou? And she answered, I am Ruth, thine handmaid. Spread therefore thy skirt over thine handmaid, for thou art a near kinsman. And he said, Blessed be thou of the Lord, my daughter, for thou hast showed me more kindness in the latter end than at the beginning, inasmuch as thou foutest not young men, whether poor or rich. And now, my daughter, fear not, I will do to thee all that thou requirest, for all the city of my people doth know that thou art a virtuous woman. And now it is true that I am thy near kinsman, howbeit there is a kinsman nearer than I, Tarry this night, and it shall be in the morning, that if he will perform unto thee the part of a kinsman, well, let him do the kinsman part. But if he will not do the part of a kinsman to thee, then I will do the part of a kinsman to thee, as the Lord liveth. Lie down until the morning. And she laid his feet until the morning, and she rose up before one could know another. And he said, Let it be known that a woman came, let it not be known that a woman came into the floor. 
Also, he said, Bring the veil that thou hast upon thee, and hold it. And when she held it, he measured six measures of barley, and laid it on her, and she went into the city. And when she came to her mother-in-law, she said, Who art thou, my daughter? And she told her all that the man had done to her. And she said, These six measures of barley gave he me, for he said to me, Go not empty unto thy mother-in-law. Then said she, Sit still, my daughter, and tell thou know how the matter will fall. For the man will not be in rest until he has finished this thing this day. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you'd help us to understand this picture again of the believer and Christ, this picture that we see of Ruth and Boaz, but that we will see how to develop a deeper relationship with you in the steps, in the keys of what we see Ruth doing here in this chapter. And I pray that you would speak to our hearts and help us and encourage us, I pray in Jesus' name, amen. So here's the story, and here's what's going on. We know that Ruth was a Moabite woman. She was a widow. She's the daughter-in-law of Naomi. Naomi and her husband had made a poor choice. They had left the land of promise during a time of famine and hardship. They'd gone to Moab along with their two sons. Two sons married two Moabite daughters, which would have been a, a, against the law of Moses, against the law of God. The two sons die, and Naomi comes back with the, with the daughters-in-law, but one of them decides after Naomi compels her, she goes back to Moab. Ruth says, I'm going with you, and they go back to Bethlehem. And there in Bethlehem in chapter 2, we saw where Ruth steps out on faith and looking for grace, and she finds a channel of grace in Boaz, and Boaz speaks to her, and Boaz provides for her, and, Mo and Boaz protects her and shows favor to her in chapter 2. And then now, here she is again, after we've seen the interest and the approach of Boaz to Ruth, Naomi understands what's going on and that Boaz is interested and that there's future plans that Boaz has for Ruth. And so she's going to instruct Ruth in what to do in proceeding in a deeper relationship with Boaz. Now, a lot of this we don't understand because if we're not Jewish, we don't get all the points of the culture. We don't understand all the, the, the symbolism that is here. But Naomi instructs Ruth in the symbolism, in the law, in what they were doing, and in the, and in the traditions of the Hebrews or the Jews there. And so she sends in Ruth saying, hey, listen to me. Go in, don't make yourself known. They're going to be working there uh, winnowing or, or threshing barley. And you go in, and when he's done eating and he's gone to rest, go lay down at his feet. Now, this is not an inappropriate thing. Uh, she wasn't laying down in bed with him. She was laying down at the foot of the bed. And when he woke up or was startled to see her, they didn't realize it was her. She says it's Ruth, and she had uncovered his feet. And that was a picture, that's what they would do. And then she's asking him to cover me back with the blanket or take that shawl, that, that covering, that quilt, and cover her. And that was, she uncovering the feet was a sign of her interest in him. And if he would cover her, that was his indicating that he would redeem her because she was the kins, he was the kinsman redeemer. And so that's what we see going on 
And Boaz says, there is one closer to, to you than I am as far as a near relative, but if he won't redeem you, then I will. So that's what's going on in the historical sense. But if we remember, we've been sharing in this book of Ruth, and we've seen that the book of Ruth is more than just a love story. It is a love story. It's a love story between Ruth and Boaz. It's a story of mercy and grace and provision and channels of grace. It's all of that there. It's a story of faith. Uh, it's a story of love and marriage. It's a beautiful story of Ruth and Boaz. But it's far more than just a record of a marriage between a rejected foreigner and a respected Jew. It is also a picture, as we've been sharing all along, of Christ and the believer, or Christ and the church, or even the lost and the redeemer, as initially she was lost until she came to be a believer uh, when she came back to Israel and said, my God, your God will be my God, and my God, and your people my people. That was her statement of faith, and she learned then about uh, the God of the Hebrews, and she accepted and believed in him. And so therefore, it is a picture for us of Christ and the believer and the relationship of those who believe by faith and put their trust in him. And in chapter 3, we see these steps that Ruth takes to grow the relationship that was shown, the interest that was shown to her by Boaz. Remember, he first took notice of her. Christ first took notice, or God first took notice of us. And she wants to grow that relationship just as we must want to grow the relationship that we have with our Lord. Like Ruth, Ruth was not satisfied with just uh, the leftovers or just even the gifts that were given her. She wanted Boaz. We must not be satisfied with a surface relationship or just a casual relationship with the Lord. He has saved us, we are Christians, and therefore we owe him everything, and we ought not just be satisfied with what he drops and what he lets us have as far as uh, the gleanings or the, the, the blessings that he puts on us, the gifts that he gives us. We ought to want him. And Ruth wanted Boaz, we ought to want our Redeemer, and that is the prize. That is what we want. That is our goal, is to know him better and have a closer relationship, a deeper relationship with him. Ruth did not, again, she, uh, uh, when we have him, let me say it this way, when we have him, when Ruth had Boaz, she also had essentially all that he had. I mean, she was... Part of the family. When we have the Lord, we don't just have the blessings. We don't just have the leftovers. We don't have just the crumbs. We have everything that he has. We are joint heirs with Christ. Everything that he owns. Not just the gifts that we seek, but we have the giver of the gifts that we desire. Oh, listen, so how do we do that? Well, I think we can look and we can see from the example of Ruth and we can learn some lessons and some steps to follow in order to develop a deeper relationship with our Redeemer, with our Lord, with our God that we see right here in Ruth chapter 3. 
Number one, you ready? Here we go. Number one, if we want to have a deeper relationship with the Lord, then we must find the instruction or we must follow the instruction that is true. We must follow the instruction that is true. Ruth may have learned some things, but she had a guide. And the guide was Naomi. She may have heard some things. She may have learned some things from being married to Naomi's son. She may have learned some things along the way. But in this case, she didn't understand completely about the kinsman redeemer and what to do and how to do it. But she had a guide. And Ruth was her instructor. She was the avenue of instruction. And Ruth wasn't trying to... It wasn't like Ruth was somehow... Uh, stepping out of place, Ruth was kindly, graciously, lovingly showing Ruth what to do. Naomi was showing Ruth what to do to better Ruth and Ruth's future and Ruth's relationship. We too must find the truth and the truth that will bring us into a better, closer relationship with our Lord, which will better our lives because he loves us. And so therefore, she had an instructor. That was Naomi. We have an instructor. We, and he said, well, where are you seeing this instructor at? Naomi tells her, listen, I seek rest for thee in verse 1, that it may be well for thee. God seeks rest for us, that it may be well for us, blessings for us. And now is not Boaz, she says, one of our kindred, with whose maidens thou wast. Behold, he winneth barley tonight on the threshing floor. And then she begins to give her instructions in what to do. We must have an instructor that gives us true instruction. And by the way, the primary place that we find our instruction is the Word of God. Everything must come back to the Word of God. That is our instructions. That is our guide. People will tell you all kinds of things. There's all kinds of books. There's all kinds of advice. There's all kinds of opinion. And we hear all the time about my truth or your truth or this person's truth. Listen, a, just somebody's truth will not set you free. Just somebody's truth may not be in your best interest. Just somebody's truth may not lead you to the truth giver. Now, if they are following the Word of God and teaching the Word of God, it will. But somebody just sharing their truth, just their opinion, that's all it is. They can call it whatever they want. They can write a book about whatever they want. But that is not the truth. The truth is the Word of God. It is the words of God. It comes from God. And so, therefore, we must find this truth and put, make that our foundation, make that our basis, let that be our guide, and that is our instruction book, that is our instructor, if you will, through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit can be our instructor, but he's going to reveal the truth of the Word of God to us. And so therefore the Holy Spirit does reveal things to our heart, he speaks to our heart, we could say that he also is an instructor, but... He's going to point us to the Word of God. 
God may use other people, other books in your life to give you instruction and give you counsel and give you advice. But, as I've said many times, I'll say it again, if it is not rooted in the Word of God, if it is not pointing to the Word of God, if it is not founded in the Word of God, if it is contrary to the Word of God, it is not the truth. And therefore, it is a lie. They can call it their truth. They can call it what they will. But it is a lie if it contradicts and does not go with the Word of God, come from the Word of God. You say, I have people that say to me, and I've heard people say this, God told me this. And I say to them, that doesn't go, that doesn't come from the Word of God. God didn't say that to you. Oh, but God wants me to be happy. Not if it's not in His will. There's lots of things that might make us happy for a moment. In fact, sin provides joy and happiness and pleasure for a season. But I'm telling you now that if it's not in the Word of God or if it's not rooted in the Word of God, it is not from God. Don't come and tell me about how you're supposed to leave your wife. Don't come and tell me about how you're supposed to leave your husband. Don't come and tell me how you're supposed to get involved in drugs or alcohol or perversions or any such a thing and then say, well, God told me it was okay. No, he did not. We have an instructor that is God who uses the Holy Spirit and speaks to us through the Holy Spirit, but it will always be in the Word of God. He may use a pastor. He may use a parent. He may use a friend. He may use a child. He may use a brother, a sister, or somebody else. But if it's not coming from the Word of God, if it's not rooted in the Word of God, throw it out. Throw it out. We have... An instructor. We must find the instruction that is true. Number two, if we're going to have a deeper relationship with God, we have to have the instruction that is true, and that's the Word of God. This tells us this is our Naomi as it was to Ruth. Now, where did, by the way, you say, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. Naomi was a person. Where do you think Naomi got the truth to give to, give to Ruth? From the law of Moses. That's where she got it from, from the Word of God. Now, she didn't have a copy of Scripture like we do, but she had been taught. She had learned. They certainly, had in, uh, they, they certainly would have had scribes that would have had Scriptures of the law, and therefore they, she knew the Word of God as it was in her day, and that's what she was teaching Ruth. If a person is not teaching you from the Word of God, does that mean they have to quote scripture to you all the time? No. But if they say, well, thus says the Lord, and then you go back and you look, and it's nowhere in there, or it contradicts it, it didn't come from God. And so, therefore, we have an instructor. But also, number two, we have to prepare ourselves. So here's the instruction, and the Word of God is our instructor, but it gives us the instructions. And Ruth gave, or Naomi, rather, gave Ruth instructions on how to prepare herself for Boaz, the Word of God gives us instruction on how to prepare ourselves for a deeper relationship for the Lord. How to interact with God. How to interact with Jesus Christ. That's what the Word of God tells us how to do. Number one, under the fact that preparing ourselves for the Lord, A, let's just call it A, we, she told her to wash herself. Wash herself. Look, verse 3, wash thyself, therefore, 
if we're going to have a deeper relationship with God, we've got to get cleaned up. We've got to be sure that we are clean. We must cleanse ourselves from all the filthiness of the flesh and live in the Spirit. 2 Corinthians 7, 1. Just turn there if you would for a moment with me. 2 Corinthians 7, 1. Let me read this to you because I think I wrote it down just a little bit wrong. But 2 Corinthians 7, 1. It says this. Having therefore these promises, what promises? The promises of chapter 6. Dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. You said, well, is that what you got from Ruth? I got that from the fact that we're to wash ourselves. All throughout Scripture, it talks about cleansing ourselves, asking the Lord to cleanse us. Now listen, when you got saved, if you're saved, then you repented of sin. This is talking about the believer now. But if you were, because Ruth had already become a believer when she said, I'm making your God my God. And so now she's pursuing a deeper relationship with Boaz. And now she, Naomi is telling her, wash yourself. In other words, keep your, make yourself clean. Make yourself smell good is the idea of cleaning off the sin. We must cleanse ourselves and keep ourselves clean. Jesus or God through Jesus Christ, the blood that was shed, washes us from sin. But as we live this life, we do still sometimes sin. I, you know, I, I follow certain people on Facebook and social media and preachers, and I hear them say all these things, and sometimes extremely uh, critical things or judgmental things. Now, I'm not saying it's bad to say judgmental things because we have to judge things. However, they say it in a way, and they almost like they're above all that. I'm not, and nor are they, and nor are you. We sin, we fall, even as Christians. We're forgiven, yes, but we're not perfect. And so what this is saying, she washed herself. You know, God cleans us up. God is the one that washes away our sin, but also he says flee temptation, flee youthful lusts. And that we are to confess and repent when we do sin and fall, but we are also to keep ourselves. I, I, I think the idea is this, and washing herself, then get yourself clean and stop rolling in the dirt. I think that's the point. Stop rolling in the dirt and hanging out with the trash. If you want to get deeper in your relationship with God, who you surround yourself and what you surround yourself with will make a huge difference in how deep you go in your relationship with God. Do you want a deeper relationship than just a surface relationship? And if so, then what you surround yourself with, who you surround yourself with, matters. It matters anyway, but I'm talking about right now going deep in a relationship. Cl wash yourself, clean yourself up, stop rolling in the dirt. Keep ourselves clean by the strength of God, by the grace of God. Yes, that does mean, God, if I've messed up, if I, when I've sinned, to ask him to forgive us again. He's already forgiven us, but God, I confess it. I want to get it right. I want to admit to it, and then stop doing it. And Jesus Christ told, again, it was the, 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 the blind man, he said, stop sinning. Don't sin anymore. 
He told the woman who was caught, who was accused of adultery. He, sa he said, where are your accusers? And she said, there, there, there are none. And he said, go and sin no more. Neither do I accuse you. Go and sin no more. I'm telling you, wash yourself up, clean yourself up, get cleaned up. Spiritually speaking, if you want to go deeper in your relationship with God. Number two, or B, she anointed herself. Or she was told to anoint herself. Look, look again. We're over in Ruth chapter 3. And anoint thee. So anoint yourself. Well, anoint yourself with what? With oil. There was anointing oil. There's also oil that was like a fragrant oil. And the idea was this. Eastern peoples would, Eastern cultures, they would anoint themselves with fragrant oils for healing and also just making them smell more pleasant and look like they had a glow about them. That was, they, they would anoint themselves for healing, but also would give their skin a glow, a shine, and then also it would smell good. And the idea was there, make, make yourself smell pleasant. He said, well, what's it got to do with anything? Well, brides would also put on perfumes to make themselves smell appealing. We do the same thing today with cologne, perfume, deodorant. We put things on to cover up smells or to make ourselves smell good. And that's the idea of what's going on here. Also the idea of anointing oil. The anointing oil gives the idea of the presence and the work of the Holy Spirit. And I think this is probably the best part of this whole thing because we get the anointing oil. Okay, we're anointed when we're saved. But what I'm saying is this, is the presence and the work of the Holy Spirit is apparent on us when we've been spending time around the things of God, in the Word of God, around His business, God working in our lives, the Holy Spirit working in our lives, that's evident in our life, and I think that's the point of what I'm saying with the, the anointing oil or anoint yourself. Don't just get cleaned up, but get yourself, man, where you just are just appealing, a spiritual appealing. When you bathing yourself, and then immersing yourself in the Word of God and in the work of God. That's how you prepare yourself to get into a deeper relationship with God. Spending time worshiping God and studying God. I say worshiping God. We often think about going to church and going on Sunday to worship. I've said it before. I'll say it again. If you're not worshiping ahead of time, you will have an awful hard time worshiping on Sunday. Number uh, third thing she did, so C, is she changed her clothes. She said, and put thy raiment upon thee. Put thy raiment upon thee. Now, in the Bible, spiritually speaking, uh, clo the, the clothes was a big deal. Changing of clothes or clothes, spiritually speaking, in the Bible was a big deal. Now, for Ruth, it was probably as simple as take off your mourning clothes, your work clothes, Ruth was a widow, so she would have worn certain garments, perhaps still of mourning even at this point, but also she had on work clothes and put on some nice clothes. Now, does that mean you have to put on nice clothes to worship the Lord or to get a deeper relationship with the Lord? No. There's a spiritual meaning here. It's, in other words, you're preparing yourself. You're taking thought in what you're doing is part of this. She was to put on her best dressed for a wedding or a special event, not for a funeral or the work field, 
we are to get our minds in a place of preparation as well. But the clothes have that spiritual meaning in the Bible. Adam and Eve tried to clothe themselves in fig leaves, but God had to take animals and sacrifice them and then give them clothes of animal skins in the shedding of blood. When we're saved, we take off the grave clothes and we put on the spiritual clothes. In other words, you're putting on a spiritual mindset. If you want to get deeper, you need to live with a prepared mind, a renewed mind in a deeper relationship. And then I want you to see uh, the fourth thing. She learned, or the D, she learned how to approach the Redeemer. She learned how to approach Boaz. We need to learn how to approach our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Now the law, you say, wait a minute, how do you mean how you approach? Well, a lost person comes just as they are. That God accepts you just as you are. When you're lost and he calls out to you and he stands at the door and knocks, you can't clean yourself up. You can't be spiritually minded. You can't you know, make yourself spiritually pleasing. There's nothing we can do to make ourselves acceptable to the Lord to earn his favor, to earn his grace, to earn salvation, nothing. And so therefore, a lost person has to, they come just as they are, but they still have to come the way God tells them. And what I mean by that is you have to come in repentance and you have to come by faith in order to be saved by grace. You can't get saved any other way. You can't come to God any other way before you're saved. You cannot come to God any other way than through Jesus Christ and the work that he did on the cross. You cannot come to God in any other way than true repentance, realizing that you are lost and on your way to hell, and you repent and you turn, and you're on your way now to heaven. That's when God hears you. He doesn't hear the prayers, the lost otherwise. I hear a lot of people talk about, well, just pray and, and talk to God. If you're lost, you cannot. Now, you can say words towards heaven, but it's not being heard by God. The only prayer he hears of the lost is prayers to find him. He said, well, he doesn't hear prayers of someone's having a, having a problem. I believe God hears a prayer when, you, when you're having a prayer or a thought of, I want to know the truth. I want to know God. He hears that and he will send you light so that you can see to be saved. But the only prayer that he really answers for the lost person is for a prayer of salvation, a belief, a faith of salvation. Then, for the saved person, we also can only come one way to the Lord. And by the way, it's much more specific. We can't come just as we are. When we're saved, we can't come just as we are. Now, you can come any time. You can come any place to the Lord. But you can't come just as you are. Because the Bible says that he does not hear our prayers if we have iniquity in our heart then he does not hear us. See, you see, we're already forgiven. So we've already got the repentance thing and the forgiveness of sins out of the way. But we still have to come humbly. Now, we can come boldly, but it's still in a sense of fear of the Lord, of humility of who he is. And she had to come realizing who Boaz was. 
And so she had to prepare herself, and then she had to approach him in a certain way. And that's when she says in verse 4, uh, or verse 3 and verse 4, when she says, you know, go to the floor and don't make yourself known until a certain time. And when he lays down, you lay down at his feet. What she was doing, she was coming respectfully to the Lord. She was coming the way that she was instructed to do it. We have to come in the way that we are instructed to do it. We come forgiven of sin by being saved already. We come in humility, humbling ourselves in the fear of the Lord. We have to come with a clean heart or he does not hear us. The Bible tells us that when it says if we have any iniquity in our heart, he will not hear us. But we also must come believing because Jesus said all is possible for him that believes. But we have to come God's way. Ruth had to come the way that Naomi told her. That was the proper way. We have to come the way that the Bible, our guide, tells us to come. And then the last thing is this. This is number three. If we're going to go deeper with the Lord, we have to do it His way, but we also have to determine that we're going to obey before we get to the deeper relationship. Whatever it is, I'm going to obey. Whatever it is, I'm going to do it. Ruth said that I will do all that you have said do. Verse 5, she said unto her, all that thou sayest unto me, I will do. Ruth promised to do all that you say I'll do. We must predetermine that we're going to obey all that God says for us to do. Or we can't have a deeper relationship. You can't. If you're not going to obey, you can't go deeper. If you're, you say, well, then why do you say you, that you have to predetermine that you're going to obey? If you don't determine now, then you are susceptible to being moved or dissuaded by the devil. If you don't determine now, you might be moved by fear when you hear what God has for you. If you don't determine now, you might be moved by pride. When God tells you what it is he wants you to do. In other words, one way or the other, but that pride might prevent you from obeying. And if you don't determine to obey now, then you might pick and choose what you will obey when the time comes. I went to a Chinese buffet today. I, go, I like going to Chinese buffet. I don't eat everything at the buffet. I have certain foods. I'm very particular about what I eat. And I eat them in a certain order. That's just how it is. But when I go in, I pick and choose what I want to eat. I don't just, somebody doesn't tell me you've got to eat this. I pick and choose. That's not how it is if I'm going to have a deeper relationship with God. That's not how it is if you're going to have a deeper relationship with God. You've got to determine that you are going to obey, and then God says, all right, now, here's what I want you to do. Because if you were to wait then you're more likely to turn away from it because it might scare you. It might humble you. It might bother you. It might, you might say, that's too little for me. You might say, that's too big for me. You say, it might not be what I want to do, whatever it is. And so therefore, determine now that you're going to do all that God gives you to do when the time comes, God, I've already determined I'm going to believe. God, I've already determined I'm going to obey. There is no shadow of turning. I am set that I am going to follow. That's the first part of how we have 
a deeper relationship. We follow the example of Ruth. We follow the example of Ruth, and we find the instruction that is true, that is the Word of God. We prepare ourselves based on the instruction in the Word of God, and then we also determine to obey the instructions and the Word of the Lord. Oh, my friends, I pray that you'll see this wonderful picture. I pray that you see this wonderful truth from the Word of God. I pray that you see this truth of the story of Ruth and Boaz. And I pray that we determine now that we're going to obey what God has for us and that we will want to go deeper and pursue the relationship because God wants a deeper relationship with you. And it is going to be a wonderful thing when you get there and as you go. God has great things in store for you. He has great plans for you. Oh, that we would desire him above all else. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this time we've had together. Father, help me. I'm not always where I need to be. I'm not always following like I need to follow. I'm not always committed to, to obeying like I need to be committed to obeying. Father, help me to surrender. Help me to be prepared. Help me to want to be in a deeper relationship with you. Help us all, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. We thank you for listening to this message from the Word of God. At Pleasant Hill, we desire to be a help and a blessing to you. If you have any questions or prayer requests, or if we can be a help to you in your walk with God, we invite you to contact us here at Pleasant Hill by visiting our website at phbc.online. Thank you, and may God bless you.